the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back as we head into hour two, six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero is our line. Question out there, is there a book that has changed your life? Uh, David Harsani from National Review will be joining us in just a few moments, I think, on his columns uh, in National Review on Joe Biden's uh, interpretation of the Constitution, misinterpretation and violation of the Constitution is more like it. But first, let's go to you. If you have a book that say that changed your life, I'd love to know about it. Joe, go right ahead. Hey, Seth. Uh, so there's one book I would say is uh, Jason Riley wrote, uh, Please Stop Helping Us. And a second one that really helped me was also Liberating Black Theology. Tell me about that um, second one. That second one, I'm not sure I know. So it's more of a theological uh um, kind of educates us on um, just the theology of liberation um, theology. So it's like basically Marxism in Christianity is the easiest way to describe it. Or it's like critical race theory in Christianity is what liberation theology is. It's all about the oppressed getting power um, from, you know, those who hold power. So black liberation theology is all about liberating blacks. Like, ultimately, salvation is found when black people gain power that whites have in the Christian church, basically. Um, And so it's, I mean, very dangerous, just like CRT is in any other realm of society. Um, But... Yeah, I started getting educated because I was in a Christian ministry. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of it. It's called Crew, formerly known uh, Campus Crusade for Christ. Of course, yes, of course. And a few years ago, they were going 100% down the woke um, bandwagon. And um, and so it's just, um, you know, I just started getting educated on all that. The Campus Crusade and, is going left now, too? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, they just had a big... Unbelievable. Um, Unbelievable. Hard America oh, yeah, versus soft America. This this is incredible to me. Yeah. Love you, too. Yeah, it's a, historically a phenomenal... Was ministry. that your wife leaving the house? Yeah. And she interrupted you talking to me, saying, I love you, and I you said, know. I love you. That 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 is so endearing. I love <laughs> yeah. that. How long have you two been married? All right. Uh, we've been married about two years. Oh, fantastic. A little over two years. Great. Yeah, she's I love amazing. it. She's putting up with me right now. <laughs> <laughs> love you, babe. So, um, yeah, so, I mean, I could do, man, yeah, so 2015, Crew had a staff conference that was all social justice, and, you know, that was right after Michael Brown was shot and all that. And, you know, they're holding up, like, basically a saint 
that he did nothing wrong. That is the cops. Oh, no, listen, they, they memory hold that one. They memory hold Ferguson to a fairly well. That was the, uh, as, I, as far as I remember it, that was the beginning. That was around the beginning of when Black Lives uh, Matter took to the fore. But more importantly, more importantly, when the entire Democratic caucus of the House of Representatives, uh, excuse me, the Congressional Black Caucus within the Democratic Party of the House of Representatives did the hands up, don't shoot statements in the House of Representatives. It didn't happen. It wasn't said. It wasn't uttered. And it doesn't match the fact pattern. That was crime number one in the memory holding of what happened in Ferguson. Crime number two was when Barack Obama addressed the United Nations, spoke out against radical Islamic theology and extremism, his phrase, not mine, at the United Nation and said, lest, lest America be seen as being on a high horse, all you have to do is look to Ferguson, Missouri, to understand we have our problems as well. Yes, of course, Ferguson, Missouri, and what transpired there is on par with what Osama bin Laden and ISIS do. Uh, it's, 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 it's enough to make you lose all your hair. There's a condition for that, right? Alopecia totalis. Sorry to get to you late, David. I apologize. David Harsanyi, of course— is the uh, is the uh, is a senior contributor over at National Review, and uh, and has a new book coming out, Eurotrash: Why America Must Reject the Fail Ideas of a Dying Continent. He's speaking of Europe as we import more and more of European philosophy and theology. Uh, David, it's um, it seems like uh, the president of the United States over the past two days is kind of following the notion of an unwritten constitution. Uh, I loved your last two columns, unprecedented attack on the constitution and Dem see the endless possibilities of the illegal but good agenda. David, thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. It's as if there is an unwritten constitution. I, I, I was a little bit su- surprised. Joe Biden two days ago says the bulk of the constitutional authority is that we cannot extend the moratorium. You read the Supreme Court decision from July. It's very clear what the what the plurality says, that this has to be done by an act of Congress. And I woke up to a headline that, lo and behold, not Congress, but the CDC has uh, extended the moratorium. Left seems perfectly fine with this. Well, yeah, I mean, I think there's two two levels here, you know, two problematic levels, I guess. The first is that Joe Biden is ignoring the Supreme Court and decided that he can um, just write a new moratorium. And then, you know, in the interview, he to do what he was doing despite the Supreme Court saying it was unconstitutional. And, uh, you know, some, you know, we don't need to dive too deep into this right now, but I think that Brett Kavanaugh let that happen because of his, the way he structured his ruling. But... Um, he admitted, Biden admitted that he knew that this wasn't going to um, be constitutional. He admitted that he was doing it just to be able to, you know, because he thought it was the right thing to do despite the law. It is unprecedented in that I can't think of the last president who actually admitted doing that sort of thing, much less even doing it, frankly. And uh, so that's the first problem. The second it, problem it reminds me of what Richard well, Nixon said after he was president to David Frost, famously, if the president does it, it's not illegal. That's what it right. reminds me of. Right. I mean, I, I don't want to get there crazy. You know, it's an impeachable offense to to um, not only ignore the Constitution, but blatantly uh, basically the Supreme Court. I mean, we have system set up here and 
if you think something is a good thing to do, doesn't mean you get to do it now. That the argument I saw in the Washington Post, from a writer, and, and, and at CNN and other places is that listen, this is a moral good, and you know it's worth doing something that's illegal. That's anarchy, right? I mean, and that's lawlessness, and that's how things break down because everyone has a different view of what's right to do and what's not right to do. There used to be a saying that uh, the first or the instinctual answer you have on a test is usually the first is you, your first mm-hmm. answer is usually the right one. But uh, you you draw this out in one of your columns. Barack Obama had promised that he wasn't or had said he was not a king and can't simply uh, change immigration immigration law all by himself. Uh, Joe Biden said also in his first response on this two days ago uh, that. Supreme, uh, an extension of the moratorium will not uh, pass uh, Supreme Court muster. Both of them turned on a dime, turned on an immediate dime the moment they had the power to do so or were told they had the power to do so. According uh, to your most recent, it looks like Lawrence Tribe had his fingers in some of this as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, no, I am a big critic of Barack Obama. I think he kind of um, he undermined the Constitution in many, many important ways and, and, and his DACA um, executive actions are definitely part of that. But not even he said, listen, I know this is unconstitutional and I'm going to do it anyway in the same way after the Supreme Court had already ruled on the issue. Like if the Supreme Court had said, no, you can't do DACA, I don't think that Barack Obama would have done it at the time. Now, obviously it's a few years ago and maybe walls have been broken down since then. Obviously the Democratic Party has gone farther to the left. But uh, Biden basically just said, I don't care. What he did was even his own lawyers throughout his administration told him from Washington Post reporting that I saw that, you know, this is not constitutional. So what he did, he tracked down Lawrence Tribe, who's become a complete hyper-partisan hack, frankly. And, he, and you know, and, and Lawrence Tribe told him, hey, just write a new one, you know. So let me ask you, if that's okay, why can't he says, no, we're fourth or you can go on and on like that. That's just lawlessness, and that's exactly what he's engaged in. You know, it's a funny uh, and, and uh, funny thing, odd thing, ironic thing. I don't know what to call it exactly, David. But one of the things that you're very good at, and one of the things we try and do here, is keep up with the standards that we think are set for us by the political establishment and the journalistic community. And one of the standards was that acting against the Constitution, acting unconstitutionally, um, is, as you say, uh, a high crime, by any definition, a high crime and misdemeanor. But in previous administrations, it just received a lot of condemnation, some real, some invented. And I find it odd, odd how many journalists are swallowing hook, line and sinker the defense that by the time this rolls into a Supreme Court ruling, a lot of people will, a lot of good will have been done. It almost, it almost reminds me of, of, of the Malcolm X statement, by any means necessary, which doesn't come with a very good pedigree. But that's the way I read this. That's the way to read it. It's, it's um, first of all, I, listen, I think they've been undermining the legitimacy of the court for years now. They don't like the Supreme Court, especially with the people who sit on it today, because they don't particularly like the restrictions in, in the Constitution. There's no limiting principle here. If, if the government can do something, just because the executive branch can do something without Congress, without uh, defying the Supreme Court, simply because it's a good thing. 
then Donald Trump can go and take money from whoever he wants and build a wall next time he's president or whoever. And um, they will cry and, 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 and scream when that happens. Um, but they are, you know, process matters. I know it's boring. Most people don't care about it. But the process matters. And uh, I'm sure there are arguments about what's constitutional. The branch is always sort of challenging and, and wants to expand its power. It's been going on since the presidency. Um, but very few presidents, maybe Andrew Jackson, maybe a few others, have just said, listen, I don't care what the court says. I'm going to do whatever I feel like. And, you know, and the underlying thing he wants to do is also terrible in a different way. He's retroactively ripping up contracts that people have made in, in you know, w- with each other, sort of the basis for civilized society in many ways. And then he's just saying property rights don't matter, which is the basis for, for, for our freedom in many ways. That that's just a whole other story. No, I think that's right. I mean, I you know, I I I I I think impeachment as a tool, uh, quite frankly, has is probably being used way too liberally and thought of way too liberally. And I, I would like to see something um, that rises a little further than this. To be to be quite honest with you, but by the standard, as I was mentioning by the standards that have been promoted and invented by the Democratic Party and the journalistic community, we have at least three violations here, probable violations of law, or at least the Constitution, from the properties, uh, uh, from the Fifth Amendment, as you mentioned, to the contract clause of Article I uh, in the Constitution. I mean, this isn't this isn't a small thing, and yet it doesn't quite feel impeachable. You know what I mean? No, I, I mean, I, I don't expect that he would be impeached or the Republicans would want to impeach him for something like this, right. uh, you know, and, uh, or anything like that. But frankly, I, I just, you know, I have to say, I mean, I, I guess I don't think that we impeach presidents enough for the right things. OK. <laughs> you know? I mean, OK. Yeah. I mean, I, I just feel like mo- many most presidents now ignore the Constitution in ways that are just impeachable. But we've become, nor- you know, it's been normalized, especially, in, you know, probably since World War Two, in, in a way, and actually since Wilson, even maybe. And um you know, people, you know, listen, I, I there's I a lot of that things like much. that, though. Right. <laughs> there's and 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 we're right to raise them because at one point they mattered. Uh, perhaps the Logan Act is to be thought of in this in this manner, perhaps contempt of Congress or lying to Congress uh, the, the, that now gets you a job at CNN, not a prosecution. Right. There's a lot of this that when it comes to the gander, it doesn't apply. But when it's the goose, boy, they'll sure they'll sure, sure exercise it to a fairly well. Yeah, there's no, there's no shared, shared love of the Constitution or anything. That's I mean, right. listen, you don't even have to the Constitution or anything like that. But it, it's sort of the ground rules that we live by, I guess, at the very least. And if we don't both have to live, both sides don't have to live by the same rules. That is, that is a, that that is going to cause um, anger, and that is going to cause societal harm. And I think it corrodes trust in in, in the government, etc. It's just you can't have a society that lives with two sets of rules, and that's what they want. Because if Donald Trump was doing this, let's say with the so-called Muslim ban or something like that, oh my God, it would be the biggest story of the, of the year, right? They would just, it would. I don't even know what would happen. It would be a nuclear meltdown. So, um, but it's okay because they like the underlying. Of course, yeah, they like it's, it's of the course. End, yeah, and it's just a and, and that is an anarchy or 
uh, Thrasymachus all the way back to the Republic. Uh, whoever's the strongest has the power, right? The power is the is, mm-hmm. is the uh, strength is the and uh, virtue and justice is the, is the interest of the strongest. Uh, David, when when does your book? We're talking to David Harsanyi, senior writer for National Review, author of upcoming book Euro Trash: Why America Must Reject the Failed Ideas of a Dying Continent. When does that come out, David? fall in, in October. Oh, fantastic. Uh, obviously, people, if they feel inclined, can pre-order it on Amazon. I will do so right now. I appreciate you, David. <laughs> I will do it right now. Appreciate Thank you, sir. David Harsani from National Review. His book, Eurotrash, Why America Must Reject the Failed Ideas of a Dying Continent, available for pre-order today. I'm Seth Leibson, 602 We will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, portions of which are brought to you by Trades Unlimited for all your roofing needs. It's the time of year where the sun is obviously scorching. We have the unpredictable monsoon season that's back and the damage being done to your roof which is constant. Heat, wind, rain, even dust bring daily challenges to your roof and over time cause significant damage. If your roof is 15 years or older, the underlayment must be checked now. At 15 years old, that underlayment dries out, cracks, and then becomes susceptible to all sorts of leaks. Some you see, some you don't. Maybe for some of you, it's time to consider a foam roof. For those who have a flat roof, the benefits of foam are insulation from the terrible heat, help silencing noise, and, of course, preventing water leaks. If you already have a foam roof that's five years old, it's time to have it inspected and recoded. The brutal Arizona sun beats on it, and the coating starts to get little bubbles and holes. That's disintegration. Before the leaks begin, give Trades Unlimited a call for foam roofs, roof inspections, repairs, replacements, all your roofing needs. Go to tradesunlimited.com. That's tradesunlimited.com. I closed the show yesterday saying that in about 30 seconds, Ted Nugent recently summarized the entire body of constitutional originalism as explicated by the likes of Hadley Arcus, Robbie George, Harry Jaffa, and Charles Kessler, probably the four most important constitutional scholars of our lifetime. Here's what Ted Nugent said to Tucker Carlson yesterday. It's not about hunting, really. It's about God, family, country, and the traditional values that make people take their lives into their own hands to get here because there's this unique freedom that is guaranteed by those sacred documents. And again, those are just documents. The freedom is already here. I was born with the right to keep and bear arms. I was born with the right to speak up. I was born with the right to privacy from my government intrusion without just cause. I was born with that. I could come here naked without any constitution, and I know I could say what I want to say. I don't have to get the king's permission. Kings, emperors, tyrants, kiss my ass. We are a self-government. We are in charge. We hire people to represent us based on these self-evident truths. And if you, if you infringe on them, we will fire your ass and don't make us arrest you. He had those rights before he even read the Declaration of the Constitution. 
the Declaration and the Constitution did not create new rights. They confirmed the rights that individuals and human beings like you and me and Ted Nugent and Cori Bush, whether she knows it or not, already had. James Wilson, who signed the Declaration of Independence and helped write portions of the Constitution, was a member of the Constitutional Convention from Pennsylvania, one of the most important of founders, one of the first Supreme Court justices. As James Wilson put it, our Constitution was not established to invent new rights, but to secure and enlarge those rights which we already have by nature. Alexander Hamilton in Federalist 33 speaks to this when he goes into the meaning of the necessary and proper clause, saying that the power to do all things necessary and proper to the rightful ends of the government would be a valid exercise of a government, even if it weren't set down in Article 1, Section 8. The rights in here and obtain because we're human beings, not because Thomas Jefferson said we had them, but because Thomas Jefferson and the founders of this nation coalesced around the concept that by dint and virtue of our being human beings and the laws of nature, we have them. We have them. And every mistake of tyranny and every deliberate action of tyranny, whether it's Maoism or Marxism, whether it's Hitlerism or Farrakhanism, every violation of human rights begins with the notion that some people can act like gods and some human beings should act like animals. It's a distortion of what we are as human beings. It's what led, as I said, to slavery, and it's what leads to every other form of tyranny. I understand that the Democrats don't like this. I get it. They've been against it ever since the 1860s. But that's not an excuse for them to try and change the history of the United States to comport with their wrong views. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, 602-508-0960. Your show here on out. Anything you want to contribute, you are welcome to do so, 602-508-0960. The latest out of California is that the movement to recall Gavin Newsom uh, in, in the recall election taking place this September next month is a two-point proposition right now in polling with a three-percentage-point margin of error. Of the candidates who have announced their running and have been polled for their support, Larry Elder is in a double-digit lead against his closest rival. You know, this is a two-vote proposition. Do we recall Newsom? Yes or no? If so, 
who do we replace him with? Larry Elder is in that lead. Godspeed to him. If you can help, please go to electelder.com. It's not about saving California. It's about saving conservatism, and it's about saving this country. The governor of California is not the same thing as the governor of Arkansas. It just isn't the same thing. And Larry Elder isn't the kind of Republican who is the governor of Arkansas presently. It's not the same thing. Larry Elder is the kind of conservative that tells the world, here's what a conservative is. Here's what a conservative is. And it's backed not only by courage and clear thinking, but brains and sincerity. Brains and sincerity. And then never, never a wavering commitment to the greatness of this country, which afforded someone like Larry the opportunities that few in the rest of the world would ever have. It would say a lot to make Larry governor of California, and it could help save not only, as I say, that state, but the rest of the country and our party. Let me just give you an idea if you want to know how bad California is right now. You've heard about crime. We've had on this show the reporter based in San Francisco named Erica Sandberg several times to talk about the homeless and drug population uh, problems in California. She just put up an article in City Journal, and it's really fascinating and yet sad. Five Minutes a Thief is the name of it. She writes that on July 30th, I walked into a Target store in San Francisco on 3rd and Mission with an intention to steal. Just a few days before I was at the same store, she writes, when I entered, a man was leaving carrying boxes full of expensive household items. He headed toward the escalators, then out to the street. Watching as he breezed past the checkout lines, I shouted, hey, stop that thief. Aren't you going to do something? I asked the security guard in the lobby. He shook his head. A man watching the scene, leaning on his bike, said to me, hey, you're on the offense. You can't do that. Not interested in arguing with a stranger about freedom of speech, I went back to the store, curious about what else I see, and I witnessed people filling bags and backpacks with all kinds of assorted items, all leaving nonchalantly, no running or dramatically leaving and awaiting getaway cars. This wasn't the organized retail crime that California Governor Gavin Newsom recently said and promised to curtail with a new f- task force. It was the casual crime that these stores and fellow citizens of California suffer from every day. What you want for personal use or for a quick sale on the corner with the proceeds feeding a habit, go for it. As an experiment, she went to that Target store to see just how easy it was or if there was a disparate effort to enforce anti-theft laws. And she stole a coffee maker with no problem. She tells the story. No problem. Walked in to the Target and walked out. She says and titles her piece, Five Minutes a Thief, because she turned right back around as she intended to. 
for this social science experiment and returned it and returned it. No larceny here. But the point is pretty sad that now anyone can do it. She concludes her piece saying, maybe this level of chaos had to emerge for different leaders to ascend. People want safe, clean, and vibrant communities. They want to go shopping or run a store without people clearing shelves and waltzing out. Employees want to work without being threatened. Businesses want to operate. As for me, I'm giving up my short-lived crime career, even if it was easier than reporting. That's the point. Crime used to be hard. It should be hard. It should be hard and it should be discouraged. It has real-world effects. And the people working at Target, for all the left wants to talk about about what their minimum wage should be, when Target deigns that that store has to close because it's becoming a non-profit entity due to theft, that minimum wage won't mean a thing to all those employees who now have zero who now work for zero. And as far as those schools in the community that rely on taxes and property taxes, when you have people leaving and stop paying them and fleeing to other places, suburbs or other states, Arizona, Texas, Tennessee, Florida, it's not the wealthy. It's not the CEOs of Target. It's not even the senior vice presidents of Target that'll suffer. You know who will suffer? The people the progressives tell us they care about the most. Tell us they care about the most. They don't give a damn about them. David is in Phoenix. Hello, David. Yeah, I was just listening to you on Holden, and it got me to thinking that, you know, the further away we get from those Judeo-Christian values that this country was founded on, and the fact that, you know, the elites aren't focusing on the middle class anymore. And, uh, you know, they're just... I don't think they're focusing on the middle class or the lower class. No. Yeah. No. It's scary. It's, and, it's uh, really frightening. And, it's really yeah, frightening because... It is. Because none of us, none of us want to see poverty increase. None of us want to see homelessness increase. None of us want to see substance abuse in, increase or education deficits increase. None of us want that. None of us want that. And so the question one has to ask, I wanted to do this in a big way. And I'll let you, David, I'm hitting a break, so I'll let you make your point on the other side. Okay, I know. I, I Okay. Yeah, yeah no worries. Yeah, thank yep. you if you'll hold with us. The point I wanted to make was if all of us want decent education, if all of us want as minimal a crime and as minimal crime in society as we can have, if all of us or most of us want drug-free communities and safe living environments, and the question becomes – the question becomes, what parties, nostrums, and policies get you there? Does doing the same thing with more money in our education system raise the scores? We have 50 years of proof that it doesn't. Does harming children emotionally, educationally, and psychologically prevent disease? I'm going to tell you right now, it creates it. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. David in Phoenix, thank you for your patience, sir. Go right ahead. Yeah, no, um, 
uh, I want to say first that uh, Larry Elder is great, and I donated to his campaign. Oh, thank you. And um, I, I hope he wins. And it seems like he's leading in the polls right now. He is. He's is leading in the polls. Yeah. Uh, he he's leading in the polls for the second question, and the poll on the first question of whether Newsom should be retained or not is a exact dead heat. Yeah, I, well, I am nothing but optimistic about this. Yeah, me too. I hope he can do it. Um, but other than that, I was going to say that you, you got me to thinking uh, earlier in the show that I don't think the Democrats care because I really don't believe that the leadership really believes in the principles of the Constitution or the rule of law. They care about retaining their power. And so since they didn't pay a political price for the way they behaved over the four years when Trump was in office, it just emboldened them. So, you know, when... <laughs> The actions or the way they behaved during the Kavanaugh trial to, you know, when Trump said, hey, I think that I'm being spied on at Trump Tower, and then the media just, you know, made fun of them, and all that stuff, and then it came out later that, in fact, you know, the Obama administration had weaponized the intelligence agencies, and they were, in fact, spying on them, and all these things where I thought, you know what, they're going to pay a political price for all this, and they never did. And then the impeachments were, to me, which were a, a complete sham, where they said he was colluding with Russia, and it turns out that, no, in fact, it was Hillary. And then the second impeachment with him doing a quid pro quo with the Ukraine, and then, it, you know, here's Joe Biden on tape bragging about doing what they're impeaching him for. I don't think they paid a political price. And so even on a local level, we're seeing that, where Governor Ducey says there will be no mask mandates. It goes through the legislature. So it's, in fact, the law of the land. And we have local school boards or whoever who are just thwarting the law saying we don't agree with it so we're not going to abide by it and and it's just a breakdown of respect for the system of government or the rule of law and we're seeing that on a local level now you know you know what david you've said you've said a, a lot that's 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 so darn fundamentally important it goes back to why a lot of us said on january 6th and since that if you want to give lectures about anarchy, disobeying the law, threatening the rule of law, democracy, if you want to give those lectures, you're about six months late because we were giving those yep. lectures last summer. And yep. you were endowing the lawbreakers and saying such things as people will do what people will do. I remember <laughs> when Nancy Pelosi said that about a – violent incident in Baltimore she was asked about. I remember saying, okay, now we know now we know what the principle is. If Kevin McCarthy doesn't like a tax increase and people storm the Capitol, the response is people will do what people will do. Of course not. Of course not. Of course not. But the Democrats created these conditions for anarchy and making up the law and enforcing the law you like. Not us them.